there, I'm Britton, and welcome to the Cape Cod Church Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about Cape Cod Church, you can visit our website at capecodchurch.com. In the meantime, enjoy this message in our current series, Outsiders. If you're new to Cape Cod Church, or this is your first time visiting with us, we do a summer internship program for young leaders going into ministry, and Uh, We've spent the last two and a half months just kind of investing in them. And we put them up on stage pretty quick, get you invested in them, get them invested in you. And then at the end of the summer, we let them plan an entire service and lead the whole service with us. It is terrifying for them. And a little bit for me. I'm not going to lie, but we love it. Here's Here's why we love it, because you get to see a little bit of the future unfolding right in front of your eyes. We get to see the next generation. And if that doesn't excite you, you're not paying attention because all of the information we hear is about the next generation going in the other direction. Yeah, we can clap for that. Man, I am... I've been reading, uh, especially in this season, for some stuff we've been working on about how we as a church reach into the next generation, reaching millennial and Gen Z and whatever it's going to be that comes uh, after that. And I've been reading a book right now called The Rise of the Nuns. And the nuns is the term we've given to this generation of young people because when asked about their religious affiliation, their, their religious belief, they're just describing it as none. It's not, it's not necessarily atheist or agnostic or uh, Muslim or Christian or this. It's just none. It's just like it's not, it's not there. So we love investing in and seeing the next generation step up and take leadership. And as a church, we just want to be a part of that. And you're going to get to see that some today. You've already seen it as this group has been planning and leading worship. And a lot of our work uh, with uh, our interns happens in our youth groups through the summer. So uh, they're all involved in the other, whether it's in social media, whether it's in leading small groups, putting together activities, uh, leading worship bands, and speaking. And so Alexa, our youth pastor, spends a lot of time kind of tag-teaming with our young leaders. So we decided that this Sunday we do a little bit of a tag team because we've had two youth leaders who've been working with Alexa all summer. What we wanted to do is we wanted to get Alexa kind of set the stage for the last message in our Outsiders series about the 10 lepers and the one Samaritan. You're going to hear about that in a minute. And so we asked Alexa to kind of set the stage with that. And then she's going to tag team in the first service. It was with Kylie Costa, one of our youth interns who you met just a minute ago. And in this service, it's with David Ash, who uh, did the LFH or a a little uh, prayer intro in the first service. But this service, he's going to get a little time to preach to us. Now, now here's, here's your job. Two things. Number one, and I've always loved this about Cape Cod Church. We're cheerleaders today, folks. That's our role, man. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, listen. If we can't get up and cheer for the next generation when they're pouring out their heart and saying, because I'm going to tell you something, y'all are terrifying looking. Like when you stand here and look, it's like, oh my gosh. Like, and I, there's nothing more terrifying when somebody goes, yeah, crosses those arms. It's just, let's see what you got, right? But this is what I love about Cape Cod Church. Cape Cod Church has always been a place that'd rather put their hands together than cross their arms and we'll sit back and watch what happens, right? So we're here as cheerleaders. Here's the second thing. You're here uh, to hear from God's word, right? Just because it's intern Sunday doesn't mean that like we take a hiatus and this is like practice. Like the Holy Spirit's still working, right? And when we open his word, a mature person can look into his word and go, that's right, God's got something here for me today. I don't care about the age of the speaker or the role the speaker has, God has a word for us. So with all of that said, let's ask Alexa to come out and kick it off, would you welcome our youth pastor, Alexa Franco. Well, good morning. As Pastor Ben said, I am Alexa Franco. I am the youth pastor here at Cape Cod Church. I need you to know you're a little bit older than the crowd that I'm used to. Um, But you're already kinder. 
<laughs> they're in here right now. Some of them are in here right now. N no joke, like probably my first year in the loft, I was mid-message, coming in and closing in, like my second point, and a junior high boy just yelled out, Alexa, off! I wasn't mad at him. Like, he's creative. He just stepped into it, okay? Like, I was mad at Amazon. Why would you take a name that already exists and ruin my life? I Thank you. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I am so, so excited to be here this morning. I have had the privilege of working with these interns over the course of the summer, and we love to take them into the youth ministry for so many reasons, but one of those th reasons is because we love our youth group to catch the picture of the diversity of the kingdom of God. We love them to see different voices, different personalities, different backgrounds come together and to catch a vision. Okay, I have all these gifts. I have all these things. What can God do in me? And how can he use me? And honestly, these, these young people, I know that you've already seen some of it, but you're going to experience it as David comes out later on, they, their voices are unique and powerful, and they have something to speak into this generation, and we, we love that, and uh, man, I just, I mean, people like Cheyenne, young people catching the vision of young leaders and seeing what they can do, can we just make some noise for my girl Cheyenne, who killed it this morning, too? That's hard. <laughs> this is hard for me, my girl's 16, I don't even, like, I just bow down, so she's a queen. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's why we try and incorporate them into the youth group, and we love that, and we love them. And I have had the honor of closing out and setting up the stage as we close out this, this look at outsiders. And we've really been looking at the story of Jesus and his interactions with the Samaritans, who were cultural outsiders during the time. And today's story is no different. We meet ten lepers who are sitting on the outskirts of town, who when they meet Jesus, he tells them, go show the priest that you're healed. And the text says, as they went, they were healed. And in this incredible journey, only one of them, as they recognize what happens, turns back to thank him. And you can guess it, the one who recognized it, who's a Samaritan. Um, so this morning, as we look at the text, I want to start by looking at the nine, the nine who didn't come back. And the, the passage that we're looking at is only nine verses, and it reads really well, so I just want to start by just reading through it. If we, it's up on the screen, but you can flip to it in Luke 17, picking up in verse 11. It says this, As Jesus continued on toward Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. As he entered a village there, ten men with leprosy stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. He looked at them and said, Go show yourself to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, Praise God! He fell on the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, Didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, Stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. The nine, in commentary after commentary, and study after study, and preacher after preacher, have been called ungrateful. The ungrateful nine. Ungratefulness, the word itself kind of leaves a sour taste in our mouth because we think of extreme cases, like from one of my favorite movies growing up, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, Veruca Salt. Homie was ungrateful, okay? <laughs> she had no concept of her parents' wealth, right? She was entitled, she was demanding, she was even a little bit manipulative to get what she wanted, right? And in the famous, I don't care how, I just want it now, the bad egg falls to doom. What happens to her? We don't know. What a beautiful child story, right? <laughs> like... <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, so we, we, we see these extreme cases, and honestly, like, outside of Veruca, we've experienced real time in real life people who have been like that, or we've had moments like that, and it's hard for us to kind of think of when we hear the word ungratefulness to see ourselves through that lens, because we really, we think it's the presence of something. We think it's the presence of a bad attitude, but this text is inviting us to something deeper, 
It's saying, is it really just the presence of something or is it the absence of something? Because what we meet in this text is not nine Veruca salts <laughs> and one normal person like me and you. We're introduced to 10 lepers, 10 people who are living on the outskirts of town, 10 people who are sick, ton people who are just waiting for healing. These are the people that we're introduced to. So the text invites us to, to, to look a little bit deeper. And it does this by telling us some things. The text says some things, and then the text doesn't say some things. So some of the things that it says, um, sorry, got a flip. Um, <laughs> it says that the one who came back was a Samaritan. The one who came back was a Samaritan. It doesn't tell us how many of them were Samaritans, but we know by the emphasis of the text that some of them were Jewish, that some of the lepers were Jewish. And, and the name Jewish, it stems from the Hebrew word of Judah, which quite literally means praise God. So here's what we can gather from what is said and what isn't said. Here's what the text is saying. They forgot their name. They forgot their name. And we don't know what the others were doing when they didn't come back. We don't know who they went to go see. We don't know what they were doing, but we can imagine, we can speculate. And I actually think that omission is really important because it leaves room for that. Like, they had been sick for some time. We don't know how long, but they're sitting on the outskirts of town and they're just thinking, if I was healed, this is the first person that I would go to see. If I was healed, this is the first face that I'd want to see. I'd want to see my mom. I'd want to see my dad. I'd want to see my, my child. I'd want to see the, the community that I've been removed from. So we don't know what they were doing or where they went, but we do know from what's said and what's not said that they were busy. They forgot their name, and they were busy. And now ungratefulness is starting to take, take shape and it's starting to look more like me because ungratefulness is starting to look like being too busy to notice the details. Ungratefulness is starting to look like forgetting my name in the midst of the pressures and the circumstances of what's happening. Ungratefulness is starting to look like thoughtlessness. It's starting to look like not the presence of a bad attitude. It's starting to look like the absence the absence of gratitude. And to kind of draw out this, this, I have a picture or an illustration. So um, if you know that me, then you know one thing. I love a lot of things, but coffee and the beach, okay? <laughs> like, I love the beach. I grew up on Cape Cod. I just like to take advantage of that. I know that there's some of you guys are in here. And this is where I stop in the middle of a story, and I look at students, and I say, if you love the sun, you gotta wear sunscreen, okay? We just, that's a free one, life lessons with Lexa, okay? You gotta wear sunscreen, 100%, every time that you're out there. Um, and I, 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 last week I had a vacation day and I ran into a friend and she was like, oh, where are you going? And I was like, going? I'm staying, I live on Cape Cod, I'm gonna go to one of my favorite spots, I'm gonna hit one of my favorite beaches, I love it. Listen, if I have a day off and it's cloudy, I promise you I'm in a bad mood like instantly. It's, it's instant. It's like, are you kidding me? And it's because I feel, I feel bad for myself first, obviously, but then I start thinking about it, and I'm like, okay, I actually, I feel bad for everyone else too, and I feel bad for the snowbirds who left the warmth of Florida, and I feel bad for the vacationers who paid way too much money for a hotel here this summer. <laughs> And the locals are like, no, you don't. You don't feel bad for them. Like, no, I do. Like, I actually do. Because here's what I believe. I think that winter is too long for us to not have summer. Like, I, th I think that in my own life, that my winters are too long for me not to experience summer. And now I'm not talking about beach days. I'm not talking about just looking for a glimpse of the sun. I'm talking about being in a season of darkness. Like, I can deal with a season, God. I can deal with a season, but a year? Two years? A decade? How long am I supposed to wait for one sunny day? How long am I supposed to wait for your healing, for your rest? And we find this in this story, it's this tension. 
for us to unpack. Because it's in that space, when they're looking for it, that it happens. They meet Jesus. They have this incredible encounter, and they're left changed. And I just want to say, I, if you're here this morning, and you're sitting in this space, and you're waiting, that our God is a healer. He has something for you. And the story keeps going. We see in verse 17 and 18, Jesus asked, Were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Now, some of us just read through that, but when I read through that as a kid and even today, I am not an ex-leper, but I am an (laughs) ex-punk. And when I read this passage, I kind of have a skeptical view. Like, my immediate reaction to those verses is, Really, Jesus? Like, way to make it about you. Are you kidding me? Like, we get it. You're healing them. You're a blessing to them. But these people have been waiting for this for a long time. Don't you think it's excusable that they didn't come running back to you? Like, it's not, everyone knows it's not good manners to give a gift just so that you can be thanked. (laughs) Just being honest. But we can't look at those verses, 17 and 18, without looking back at verse 11. Because verse 11, if you understand the gravity of it, it's so powerful. It says this, On his way to Jerusalem, he was on his way to the cross. He's not upset at them, he's upset for them. The question is this, why would you settle for the gift when you could have a relationship with the giver? If we think back to the illustration of the sun, why do we settle for celebrating beach days instead of thinking about their source? And when we do that, we miss out on all the other gifts that they have to give us. We owe everything that we have to the sun. Life on this planet, the reason why we even have it is because of the sun. If it weren't for the sun, we wouldn't have seasons, we wouldn't have the biodiversity of this planet. It is at the center of all of it. It's because of the sun that we see in color. The sun sustains life on this planet. What would it look like for you if you were to have a relationship with the giver? Because the Bible describes God as the father of every good gift. Whenever we catch a glimpse of the sun, It's supposed to point us to the fullness. We're not supposed to just settle for that little glimpse, that little snippet, that one sunny day. It's supposed to point us to the fullness of who God is and what he wants to do in his life. To close out this morning, I want to look at my favorite part. I want to look at Jesus. Because if we were to understand what's waiting for us, I know it's true of me. I'm busy, I'm forgetful, and I'm sometimes thoughtless. But when we look at Jesus, we see something completely different. Remember, he's on the road to Jerusalem. He's on the road to the cross. And here's what we see in Jesus. Jesus never forgets his name. He's the son of God. He is the insider, the one true insider who has relationship with God, who is able to step out of that inside position, and he comes and he leaves it for me and for you. He steps so he can bring all of the outsiders back inside of the kingdom of God. He's the one reason that we have access. He never forgets his name. And here's the thing about Jesus in this passage, too. He's never too busy to stop and notice the details. He's on his road to, the road to Jerusalem when he notices, when he stops and he sees ten lepers on the side of the road. He sees them in what they're walking through. He sees us in what we're walking through. If anyone had any excuse to be upset, to be frustrated, to be overthinking, to be to be infuriated even, to be angry at where he was. It was Jesus who was on that road. He was surrounded by followers who would abandon him, best friends who would betray him, the people who would literally kill him. If anyone had a reason to feel completely in darkness, it was Jesus who was literally on the road to the darkest days of all time when the Son of God would die. But he doesn't. 
he does something completely different. He sees us. He meets us. And he invites us into a relationship with him. So we've talked about the nine. (laughs) But what would it look like if you were to remember your name? Because I'm here this morning to tell you that your name is child of God. And if you really believe that, that your father was the father of every good gift, what would that look like for you? What would change in you? And have you been too busy to spend time with God? What would it look like if you weren't? In a moment, David is going to come out. (laughs) And we're going to hear about the one, the one who goes back, the one who experienced that relationship. Right now, the band is going to come out, and they're going to play a song called Lost Boys. And we do this every summer because we believe that lyrics is where culture cries out and Christ has something to speak into that. But as they're playing and as you're reflecting, my challenge to you is this. Ask yourself these three questions. I've had to ask them over myself so many times in life. Are you so caught up in the struggle that you're missing out on the larger story? Have you been so caught up and looking at the gifts that you haven't spent time in relationship with a giver. And when was the last time that you looked at Jesus? Thank you, guys.
lost boys like me, and lost boys like me are free. Peter Pan, Tinkerbell, Wendy, darling, even Captain Hook, you are my perfect storybook. Neverland, I love you so, you are now my home, sweet home forever, the lost boy at last. Peter Pan, Tinkerbell, Wendy, darling, even Captain Hook, you are my perfect storybook. Neverland, I love you so, you are now my home, sweet home forever, the lost boy at last. And for always I will say, I am a lost boy from Neverland, usually hanging out with Peter Pan. And when we're bored, we play in the woods, always on the run from Captain Hook, run, run, lost boy, they say to me, away from all of reality, Neverland is home to the lost boys like me, and lost boys like me are free, Neverland is home Lost boys like me, and lost boys like me are free. Good morning. It is so good to be with you today and this intern Sunday. Man. It's funny, as we were planning for this service and we were choosing this song, Lost Boy, it came out a few years ago, and apparently this is a really big, really popular song. We were talking, everyone is saying it was like overplayed on the radio, all over the place. Whatever reason, I had never heard it before and I was not familiar with it. <laughs> not sure how it happened, but so this week as we're preparing and I was getting ready, I went and I looked up the song, and as I Googled it, you know, I, I heard the song and then I also saw the lyrics. They came up right away on Google and I was just struck by that very first line. And it says, there was a time when I was alone, nowhere to go and no place to call home. And as I read that line and just thought about what, what the song was saying, what that means, I couldn't help but think about these 10 people in this story that Alexa read for us. You see, these, these 10 lepers, they would have re related to that sentiment really more than anybody. They literally are cast aside from their homes separated from their family, separated from their friends and their loved one. They literally had no place to call home. They're at the edge of the city. And everybody that was a part of their life, all their friends, all their family, now they were gone, and they were completely alone. So if there was ever people that understood that sentiment, that idea, it was these 10 people. And we've been in this, this series, our Outsiders series, where we're looking at Samaritans. And last week, we had an example of a double outsider, who is the Samaritan woman at the well. And so she was an outsider because she was a Samaritan, but then also as a woman in that culture and in that society, it made her an outsider. And so this week, we have another example of a double outsider. Because as Alexa had mentioned, as a leper, this Samaritan man that came back, they were completely pushed aside. They were viewed as so unclean, so dirty. And people, you know, this, this disease that would contaminate their skin, people would look at them and be like, oh, you can't go talk to them, you can't get near them, you can't touch them, because their uncleanness, it might, it might make you unclean. And so you push them as far away as you can, and you don't talk to them, you stay away from them. And as a Samaritan, for a Jewish person, they were like the, the enemies of your people, right? You don't, you don't talk to the Samaritans, we don't like them, we don't associate with them. So for Jesus, a Jewish man, as he's coming by these people, he, he reacts the exact opposite way that everything in society would have told these people to react. Because he looks at this Samaritan man, he sees all these people at leprosy, and he doesn't ignore them. He doesn't just keep going and try to stay away from them, but he stops on his journey, he looks at them, and he sees them, and he heals them. So, so you can imagine what must have been going through this Samaritan man's mind as he's sitting there and he's crying out to Jesus, and all of a sudden Jesus is looking at him, and he's telling him, go and show yourselves to the priests. At first, he's probably freaked out because he's like, nobody does that. No Jewish person would look at me and would actually care about me and would love me. Who is this man that he would do that, that he would talk to me? And as he's walking, and all of a sudden, he's starting to be cleansed, and the leprosy's disappearing from his body. He, 
he must have been started freaking out because nobody could do that. That's impossible. This is a miracle. This disease that nobody could cure, no doctor could fix, all of a sudden he's healed of it completely. And so he, he's stopping, he's looking at Jesus, and he's thinking, who is that man? That can't be just some ordinary man. There's something supernatural. This is a miracle. This is crazy what's happening to me. That has to be God in the flesh or something. I, I don't understand. And so all of a sudden this, this complete outcast, utmost of an outcast, outsider to everybody, encounters this amazing love that doesn't make any sense in their world. And you know, maybe for us here, we, we don't have a disease on our bodies that everyone can see that has caused us to be pushed aside to the outskirts of the city, to the outskirts of society, that has caused everyone to look at us as unclean. But, but you know, I'm willing to bet that we can still relate to him in a lot of ways. Maybe for us, it's the people in our lives that we love the most, that we cared about, that have then pushed us to the side and made us feel like an outcast. Maybe for your whole life, you, you've been living and for whatever, you just feel like you're unlovable. Nobody has stepped in and loved you and cared about you. Maybe you have stuff going on in your life that you feel like makes you unclean. And you feel like if people knew about this, they wouldn't want to associate with me. They'd push me to the side. And, and so in a lot of ways, we see these 10 Samaritan, these 10 men, this Samaritan man, and we feel like you, we kind of get it. The, the emptiness, the loneliness, feeling like you have nobody in your life like there's nowhere to call home. And you know, what, what Jesus did in this story was a miracle. If this story was simply, there were 10 people at leprosy, Jesus healed them, then they went on their way, Jesus continued to Jerusalem, that'd be a great story, that'd be a miracle, we would love that. But it keeps going. And, and you know, I think that's because healing their leprosy, that's, that's an amazing miracle. That's awesome. But an even bigger miracle is saving humanity from their sin, saving people from death. And Jesus did that too. And, and so, as we're looking at this story and we see that Jesus makes this man clean, for all of us that are relating to those people, feeling unclean ourselves, feeling unlovable, whatever it is, Jesus has come and he has made us clean too. He has looked at us and loved us when nobody else would thousands of years later, what, what Jesus is doing is still the same in our lives. And, and so that one Samaritan man, he came back. And the reason he came back was because he understood what Jesus was doing. And Jesus, in, in this moment, wasn't simply coming in to solve their immediate problem, this one circumstance they were in, to then move on. He wasn't just, you know, this, this person was going to solve their problems, and then life goes on. He was doing something so much bigger and so much greater. Jesus was coming, as he was looking at these 10 men, he was saying something, he's saying the same thing to us today. He wants to give us life. He wants to give us life. More than simply solving our immediate problems, he wants a relationship with us in every aspect of life, in the highs and the lows. He wants to come in and give us life and life abundantly. You see, we, we, Alexa was talking about those nine men. We, we don't know what happened as they went off and they didn't come back, but you, you can assume they must have been busy. And for this one Samaritan man, of course, he, as he was going off, there's so many things that could have distracted him, could have pulled him away. And the reality is that in life, Christian or not a Christian, there will always be more trials. There will always be more difficulties. They were healed of their leprosy. You know that eventually something else was going to come along. I haven't ever met anybody that's lived their whole life, became a Christian, and then everything was just great from then on. It's just everything, they were just happy all the time. It was just perfect. If you've met someone, please introduce me to that person because I have not met them. But the reality is that doesn't happen for us. And so for those nine that walked away, eventually something else was going to come up. Another sick, uh, maybe a sickness, maybe a relationship struggle. Something was going to happen. That, oh, then we need that fixed too. And so what Jesus is doing is he's saying, yes, I want to meet you in this place with your leprosy and I want to heal you and save you there. But I want a relationship with you. I want to walk with you through every season of life. And when you step into that relationship with God, what happens is those seasons still come, those trials still come. But now when they come, you have an eternal hope in Christ that nobody can touch. Nobody can touch. So when those trials come, and they will, sickness, hardships, now you can stand firm and you can rest in Christ and you can know, okay, it's hard, it hurts, 
but you can't touch me. You can't take this away from me. So I'm going to hold on and know that for all of eternity, I have a hope that is greater than anything else this world could ever offer. So no matter how hard it is, no matter what the challenge is, no matter what the difficulty is, I can cling to God. I can cling to Christ and know that he will sustain me. He will bring me through. And in the end, eternity will be a glorious hope forever. And it, it would have been so easy for this Samaritan man to have been caught up in life like the other nine. But he had to stop and turn and run back to Jesus. And I love this picture we get of this man as he's running back. And it says he goes praising God in a loud voice. And he just throws himself at Jesus' feet. Because as he's healed of his leprosy and he sees who Jesus is. And he understands it. He, he, he gets it. He realizes that Jesus is the only thing that he needs. And there is nothing better. So he stops and he says, whatever I'm doing, I'm going to turn and I'm going to run to him. And I'm going to just throw myself at, at his feet because he's so amazing. He's greater than anything else I could find. And I just need more of him. I need this relationship. I need to know him. And I need to walk with him and be with him for the rest of my life. And in that space, we experience total freedom. It's the only place that we can truly find freedom from anything that could come at us in this world, in this life, is when we know Jesus, when we run and we throw ourselves at his feet. And it's such a beautiful picture of gratitude, where Jesus comes and he steps into his life, does something amazing, and this man is so thankful for it. He doesn't just let it be this great moment that you then move on, and life keeps going, which is so easy for us to fall into that pattern where Jesus does something, it's a great moment, but then we keep going and soon enough you forget about it. He realizes what God is doing and he's like, no, I, I don't want to forget this. I want to experience this for the rest of my life. I want to be a part of this forever. And so he runs and he falls at his feet. And I can't help but think but how amazing it would be if we lived like that, where we were just falling at Jesus' feet, living for him. And what's beautiful is the way Jesus responds. See, Jesus looks at this man and he tells him to rise. He tells him to get up and go. And that language, when he says rise and go, your faith has made you well. It's the same language that we see in the Gospels when it talks about Jesus rising from the dead and his resurrection. After he has lived and died and paid the price for all of our sins, everything that we have ever done, it says he rises from the dead. And that same language Jesus is using here now when he's talking to this man, looking at this man. And what, he, what he's saying is, get up and go. Because when you encounter God, when you encounter Jesus' love and enter into a relationship with him, you are changed forever. You don't just encounter him and then move on and, and keep doing the same things you're doing. You realize that all you want is him. And so you go and you live differently. You live completely differently. There are so many stories in the New Testament where Jesus heals people, where he does something miraculous, touches someone's heart, touches their lives. And what you see throughout it is a constant, constant repeating thread is that those people, they go and they're telling everybody about Jesus. It's like this moment, what happened, they can't keep it to themselves. We saw it last week after he encounters the woman at the well. What is it? She goes back into the town and she's telling everyone, come and see this man that just told me everything I've ever done. And here, after he's healed, it says he's going around praising God in a loud voice. See, because when we encounter Jesus for real, we step in and we see him and we know him, we go and we live differently. I have loved this lyric series. Um, I've never experienced anything like this in a church. And I think it's super interesting to hear about how culture cries out through lyrics and God actually has something to say about it. And this song, for example, Lost Boys, it's all about an outsider who found a home with other outsiders. And that's exactly what we're talking about today. Alexa talked about the 10 lepers, 10 outsiders, 10 people kicked out of society, 10 people kept away from everyone and everything, all finding a home together. And she talked about the thoughtlessness and the ungratefulness that so many of us struggle with, including myself. But today, I want to take some time to look at the one who came back. 
the one who was grateful. And I want to talk about why. Why are we grateful? Why should we be grateful? You see, this man, he was the outsider of all outsiders. He, he had leprosy, yes, but even before that, he was a Samaritan. And throughout the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about how Samaritans were the outsiders of Jesus' day. Samaritans were the people that Jews went out of their way to avoid. They did everything they could to, to stay away, to, to keep away. Don't talk to them. Don't look at them. We don't associate with them. So even before this man was a leper, this man was already an outsider. He knew what it was like to be alone. He knew what it was like to be outcasted. He was the outsider of all outsiders. He struggled. He was lonely. And I'm sure that none of us in this room have struggled with leprosy. But maybe some of us know what it's like to feel like an outsider. We've all dealt with struggles. No one in this room is perfect. And I don't know your struggle. I don't know your story. But maybe for you that's family. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's financial struggles. Whatever it is, we all know what struggle looks like and what struggle feels like. And this man has lived his entire life as an outsider, alone, unwanted, and unseen until one day when he encounters Jesus. See, if we go back to the text, starting at verse 11, it reads like this. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. You see, this encounter with Jesus is special for a few different reasons. But number one, it's special because Jesus saw them when no one else did. Alexa talked about this. You see, Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem, and he was actually going to a Jewish festival. So I'm pretty sure he wasn't the only one walking by that path that day. I'm pretty sure he wasn't the first person to see that group of, of men standing there crying out. And you see, I, I'm from the North Shore of Boston, so not super far away. And I love to go into Boston whenever I can. And I feel this. See, I've been to Boston, and I know that every single time I go into the city, there's one thing I'm for sure going to see, and that's homeless people. And it's heartbreaking, and it's sad. But every single time I go into the city, I see countless amounts of people walking by as if they're not even there walking by as if they can't hear the cries or, or, or the, the asking. See, we're all guilty of this. We've all been the person to just walk by. But the thing about Jesus is that he never just walks by. You see, he stopped and he saw them when no one else did and how no one else did. Because the people walking by, they saw brokenness. They saw uncleanliness. These men, whenever they were going to be around normal people, they had to ring bells and hold signs and say, unclean, unclean, so that everyone around them knew. But Jesus stopped because he, he didn't care about the fact that they were unclean. He saw them as people struggling, hurting, alone, and he did something about it. And that's why, that's another reason why this encounter was so special. Because Jesus responded to the need. You see, if we go back to the text, Jesus tells them to go and see a priest. And that might not make sense to us if we're just reading it and skipping through it. But if you pay attention, if you take time to study the text, you learn that the priest at that time was the only person who was able to declare this person healed. 
The priest was the only person who was able to, to say, okay, you have leprosy, but now you're clean again. So Jesus was saying, look, you're unclean. The people say you're unclean. The people see that you're unclean. You're physically covered in leprosy, but go see a priest. They weren't healed yet. They didn't receive their blessing yet, but they went. And as they went, the Bible says that they were cleansed. And you see, Jesus responded to their need, and it might not have looked the way they wanted it to look. They weren't healed on the spot. Their situation wasn't changed on the spot. And for some of us, you see, we're sitting here, and it's like, okay, Jesus sees me. Cool. Nice. But what is he doing for me? And the thing is, the way Jesus responds isn't always the way we want him to. It doesn't always look the way we want him to. It doesn't always sound the way we want it to sound. But Jesus always responds. And these men go, and as they go, the Bible says that they're cleansed, that they're healed. And this one man comes back. The outsider of all outsiders comes back. And he's bowing at the feet of Jesus. He's not just saying thank you. No, he's giving everything he has to worship Jesus in that moment because I think he understood the magnitude of what happened that day. You see, he wasn't just healed. He was made whole. If we go back to the text, picking up at verse 17, it says, Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? I want to pause for a minute. Because that word cleansed, in the original language, it means physically healed. Weren't all ten physically healed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Rise and go. Your faith has made you well. And you see, this encounter is special. Because all of them were healed, but only one was made whole. That word for, for well, in the original text, it was whole. Rise and go. You're whole. You're a new creation. You have a new identity. What once used to define you, what once used to keep you isolated, guess what? No longer does. Why? Because you're made whole. Jesus tells him to rise. And that word for rise in the original language is resurrection. New life. You're not the same. Rise. You're made whole. You're a new person. And every single person in this room has the ability to experience that. To, to accept new life. To be made whole in the middle of darkness, in the middle of loneliness, in the middle of brokenness. Every single person in this room, it doesn't matter what your life looks like. It doesn't matter what you struggle with. Every single person in this room has the ability to experience that new life. We're able to rise because Jesus rose for us. Jesus sacrificed himself, knowing everything we would ever struggle with, knowing every single time we would ever forget to give thanks, knowing every single time we would be thoughtless. Jesus sacrificed himself for us, knowing all of our struggles, knowing the deepest, darkest parts of us. You see, these men had to wear it on their sleeves. These men had to scream it out for the world. We don't do that. <laughs> I've never met someone who, who stands willingly like, this is where I fail. <laughs> this is what I struggle with. We don't do that. But Jesus knows. And knowing all of that, he still sacrificed himself for all of us. And because of that, we have new life in him. And I just want to encourage some of you guys in this room, maybe you're sitting here and you're like, man, I've been, I've been busy. I've been going, going, going. I've forgotten to, to look back and think about the times where Jesus has seen me. Think about the times where Jesus has responded to my need. I've been too busy to, to acknowledge the presence of God in my life. And maybe you're in this room and you need to just be still and thank God. 
Maybe you need a reminder to, to instead of complaining, which I relate to, take a step back and say, you know what, God, thank you for my family. Thank you for my spouse. Thank you for my job. But maybe you're in this room and you've never experienced wholeness. And you're like, you know what, this man, he, he was broken, he, he was alone, he was an outsider, he was an outcast, and here he is at the feet of Jesus, made whole. And maybe you're sitting here and you feel the weight of the world crashing down, and you're like, you know what, I want that. I've never experienced it, but I want it today. I just want to pray for us in this moment. So if you feel comfortable... I want to invite you guys to bow your heads, close your eyes. Jesus, thank you for who you are. Thank you for drawing close, for seeing us when no one else does and how no one else does. God, thank you for being good and for understanding our shortcomings. Father, I pray that you would refocus us this morning, that you would recenter our hearts on you, that you would allow us to be grateful in times where we forget. Father, I pray that in the busyness of life, you would keep our eyes focused on you, our good, good God. And Lord, I pray for anyone in this room today who's feeling the weight of the world, crashing down. God, I pray that you would make us whole again. Father, I pray that the things that once used to define us, whatever that is, Jesus, I pray that today we would step into the new life that you have for us, the full life that you have for us. God, we thank you and we love you and we want more of you in this room today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for tuning into this message from our Outsider series. If you enjoyed today's message, join us again next week or join our live stream on Sunday at both 9 and 11 a.m. EST. We are so excited to meet you and get to know you. By filling out the connect card in the caption, we will have the opportunity to reach out and introduce you to our church. Lastly, share this with a friend. If you want to support us, leave a like or subscribe so you never miss out on a message. Thank you again for listening. We'll see you next time.